Welcome to Being Tired, a podcast about the human experience of chronic fatigue. This is a sharing podcast, which means I'll be talking about my personal everyday experiences, including tips, coping mechanisms, reflections and frustrations, and I'll be inviting you to share yours. everyone. So this week I want to talk about the productivity myth. Like that's what I'm calling it. I don't know if that's already a thing. Um, (laughs) If it is, then probably I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what I call the productivity myth to myself, um, which is essentially the way that we view productivity um, generally in our society and how that affects those of us with chronic conditions. Um, And really I want to talk about limitations on productivity, productivity in quote marks, and what that means and how changing this particular viewpoint is really key to adjusting and managing life with fatigue. So this came up this week for me because I wanted to organize my cupboards. It's just like super boring, (laughs) bog standard stuff. And particularly during lockdown, you're like, I finally want to do that boring task but also I like doing house stuff so I'm, I'm trying to pretend I'm like oh so boring and annoying but actually I love it um <laughs> but yeah so this week my task was well my self-appointed task was to deal with my clothes um I've always been a bit of a clothes hoarder to be honest oh no I don't want to use that word on myself that's the first time I've admitted that in public it's very difficult for me thank you so much first of all problems um but yeah I, I used to work in Oxfam as a teenager for a few for a few years maybe or a year or something I worked in Oxfam shout out Oxfam St John's Wood it was amazing and we had access to all of the clothes and by had access I just mean I could sit there all day and and look at them and (laughs) be like I've got my eye on that and then go and buy it. It's fantastic. Um, so I just had yeah and particularly because we were in St John's Wood it meant that we had loads of really good um designer stuff uh, so yeah I, I also like I'm a big eBay fan so I've always been a fan of shopping online and also chari- just generally charity shops like my mum always loved them so we shop there we love a bargain in my house <laughs> but, um, and nowadays I'm a Depop girl because I've moved up in the world but um yeah so I've always had way too many clothes but I've been really really good at um uh really good at bringing that down Particularly going traveling, that's a really good way of taking stock. I went traveling for a year with a 50 litre backpack and that was a real challenge for me, particularly because I went traveling in Asia where suddenly I realized because I'm half Filipino, I'm, I'm five foot and I was like, oh, this is what it's like to exist in a world where clothes can just fit you. <laughs> you don't have to think, okay, cool. So my mom can can do up those, <laughs> do up that hem and I can tuck this in and stuff. You just go in, you try on some clothes, go, oh, wicked, that fits perfectly. And then you leave, you know? Oh, wow. So yeah, I really, oh, yeah, I had a, I had a rough time um, not buying loads of clothes. But yeah, I came back and was like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. Just looked at all of my stuff, which wasn't even that much and thought, oh, this is ridiculous. But anyway, all of this to say, um, I'd start to accumulate a, a little bit more of a collection than I'd like. Um, and we moved into a new place, me and my boyfriend. So, and I still haven't pro- properly put my clothes in. So I was like, cool, I'll get around to doing that, that task. And I'm a fan of Marie Kondo, as you may know. So I wanted to do the full, the full Kondo experience. I've got the book and everything. Um, so I took everything out of my cupboards and I piled it all up in the bed. 
I felt the appropriate amount of shame and I cried a little bit. <laughs> and, um, and then the idea is to put everything on your bed and then touch everything, touch each, each garment. And if it brings you joy, if it sparks joy, then you keep it. And if it doesn't, you ruthlessly throw it out the window. Um, no, you tap it on the head and you thank it for its service very nicely in a very lovely Japanese way. And then you fold it up and you give it to charity at a later date. Um, and usually that would be something that I would do in the space of a day. And it's I've always been a bit like that. I really like if I've got spare time, even when I was a teenager, I would just do my room up. You know, I just sort of wake up and think, you know what, today, oh, I'm going to change everything. <laughs> I'm going to move the cupboards. Maybe I'll try the cupboards over there on that side of the room. If I move the bed to the middle, maybe that'll be nice vibes. And then I'll, I'll, I'll put a little plant here. I always liked rearranging stuff, um, specifically like stuff in my room. And I've been quite a small person and I would just like, it wouldn't bother me to move all of my furniture around um, in the space of the day. I just loved it. Or do, do some real organizing. Uh, it just feels so satisfying and everything. So when it came to doing it this time to condoing my clothes, I realized that I have, I don't think I've done that properly since I've had fatigue. And that means that I forgot that I'd have to adjust my expectations of how I'd be able to get that done. Um, and what would usually take me a day ended up taking, well, I'll tell you right now, it, it's taken me a week and there's still a little pile of clothes on the floor. I'm still not done. And I honestly, that would have taken me, I don't know why I feel like I have to prove myself to you. Um, <laughs> that would have taken a, uh, a day. Um, and I really struggled with the mentality of that this week. I think because, yeah, I've just been feeling really shit about it. And it's often highlighted by something like this, right? Where you've got a task that you can directly compare how long it would have taken before you experienced fatigue, before you got unwell, or how easily it would have you would have done something, thought nothing of it, like directly compared to now. And it's really, it's been a, a kind of emotional strain on me this week um, because I've just not been kind to myself or forgiving to myself or understanding to myself at all about why I'm not able to do it immediately. So I did the first step, which is taking all the clothes out, putting them on the bed. And I was exhausted uh, and felt dehydrated and like I'd had just been for a run or something. So I thought oh, I'll go have lunch and get back to it. But I, I used up my spoons, you guys. So I couldn't do anything more about it that day. And then so I ended up when we went to bed, I was like, oh, great, it's just a pile of clothes there. So I put them on the on the floor. So brilliant. And then woke up the next day. I was like, brilliant. I've just got a massive pile of clothes on the floor. So I put them back on the bed. And that was my task for that day. And then I ran out of energy. And then it became just sort of, and then when I got back to bed, sort of putting away some bits. And then there was still this pile. And then every day I was just doing it, but also not having done it. Um, and it was really, really frustrating me. And I kind of was thinking of it to myself as I haven't done anything you see this pile of clothes, I haven't done them. So every day it was like, I still haven't done this. <laughs> I've, been <de> I've been dealing with them, but I still haven't done it. And it's, yeah, it's a really crucial mindset to change that is based on productivity. Um, and it needs to change really to the idea of spending your time rather than completing tasks. Because I had been doing it. I've been, I've been sort of tapping away at it. I've been putting clothes away bit by bit. Um, but we don't really think of things like that 
when we quantify our day, if we think of how we do things at work, if we spend time doing something, we don't, if everyone's like, oh, what have you been up to today? You'll, you'll be keen to be like, oh, I finished this thing, as opposed to being like, I've battled with this thing for two hours and still it isn't done. That's how we view it as opposed to, yeah. So it, it's all it's all trying to think about when you're experience, experiencing fatigue and chronic illnesses and things, and you are trying to adjust your mindset to limitations on, on your productivity. And it has to focus really on the t- the way that we're spending our time rather than completing tasks. And it's all based around this idea that value inherently comes from productivity, the like the final outcome, not just spending time doing something with nothing to show for it, which is like how it feels in the moment when you're not actively working against that way of thinking. Yeah, so I think I want to talk about trying to be kind to ourselves um, and remember that we aren't in competition with our old selves. Um that the way you used to be able to do things isn't actually the norm or the gold standard. In fact, in my case, it was like a, it was a really bad manifestation of my manic desire to feel valuable by being, being super productive. That somehow by changing my room around or getting that big work project done meant that I had earned my place in the world, earned respect, earned self-respect. Not consciously, of course, you don't really think of it at the time, but you just feel brilliant. You're like, cool, I've done it. I can, you know, I can sit down now and, and enjoy my life. I can watch what I want to watch and stuff because I've done that thing. Therefore, I've earned my place, you know. A lot of our value um, in society is, is based on, is placed on what we achieve. And I say achieve to mean the things that our society quantifies to mean achievements, like like not the things that I would, like not emotional maturity or self-growth or harmony in our interpersonal relationships or harmony with our environments and stuff like that, but rather monetary success, impressive work status, relationships as like to- token social achievements and, you know, stuff like that. I'm sounding really salty, but like a lot of value in our society is placed on these so-called achievements and this way of thinking. And it's really hard to unlearn and try and get our sense of value back whilst living in this society and being unable to be productive in this, well, in this rigid and ultimately unhealthy way. But it is, of course, still the way that we fundamentally see things. Um, So we have to really try and shake these ideals and really, really understand uh, to ourselves, to our like to our very core, that whatever we're managing to do with a chronic condition is absolutely enough, is more than enough, is bloody wonderful. In fact, like seriously, living with a chronic condition and the things that we have to fight day in day out, the mental and physical battles, it's incredible. Like truly heroic. You know the mental, the mental battles, the, the physical. Yeah. But because it's all, it's not quantifiable in this easy way that like getting a work promotion is, it's all, it's all below the surface. It's, it's just quiet daily battles. And it means that others, that society and others won't necessarily give us that validation. Um, Shout out to my partner, by the way, um, who knows what I deal with and constantly tells me what a mountain I am uh, in like a in like an awe inspiring <laughs> feat of strength in nature kind of a way. Not like you're a giant pile of dirt. <laughs> mountain is nice. <laughs> but yeah, uh, generally speaking, society won't give us that validation. So we really have to do that work ourselves and constantly remind ourselves that how we spend our time is the focus, not what we achieve and how productive we are in society, you know, how society views that. And that how we spend our time is entirely contingent on our health. So if a lot of that time 
is spent battling that. Man, that's an incredible battle and you're a warrior. Even if to everyone else, it looks like you're just having a sit down. <laughs> and when I first started my recovery from encephalitis um, and was fresh out of the hospital and battling the pain of two surgeries and like the trauma of the experience of psychosis and the mountains of medications, the unbelievable migraines and brain injury and the onset of the fatigue. It was a really, really bad time. And a family friend of mine who has ME um, and has had it for decades and is why I was aware of it before getting it. She messaged me um, and said something that really hit home possibly because I'm a massive comic book nerd um, that I wanted to share with you. We were talking about superheroes and she said, as for being brave, well, I think superheroes know nothing of bravery if they haven't had to persevere or endure something for a long time. Short-term heroics are for wimps. And I mean that. The truly inspiring thing is discovering how much one can actually handle. also still on the hunt for media representation of chronic fatigue. Um, big thanks to the Arts Council here in the UK for sharing my tweet as part of the we shall not be removed hashtag. Um, but yeah, as discussed in my episode a few weeks ago about spoon theory, I'm looking for characters in popular media with CFS or ME um, or kind of chronic or autoimmune conditions. Any anything for us spoonies? Um, and I've had a few suggestions suggestions come in. Um, one being Stacy from the Babysitters Club, who apparently so I read these books as a teenager, but don't particularly remember them. I googled it and remembered one character, Mallory. Um, yeah, all I can remember. I was like, oh, Mallory, and then I looked at the rest of it. I was like, nah, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> So that's weird. Um, but yeah, uh, so apparently Stacey from the Babysitter's Club experiences fatigue as part of her diabetes, um, which hopefully this will be included in the upcoming Netflix remake, which is apparently fantastic um, from the one article that I skim read about it. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be looking out for that um, and we'll let you know, you guys know. I've also had Jamila Jamil and Cher. Cher, really? Um yeah, Jamila is a wonderful advocate um, and public figure for those of us with chronic conditions. Um, and actually, she wrote something on Insta maybe last year or something that really, really touched home and was really wonderful. So I'll, I'll post it on my Insta. But I think what I'm looking for more is kind of written characters. Um, and also, I realized not necessarily having the conditions um, as part of their story. It can also be analogous. Is that the correct word? Um but so all of this stemmed from me watching the latest series of She-Ra and thinking that that a character's arc was going to be um, this heroine of of great power, learning to losing that power and then learning to adjust to her life without it as a mere mortal who becomes tired and injured and has to rest and stuff like that, like not impervious to danger at all. And her personal struggle with those limitations um, and the effect on her identity and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that really resonated with me. So any, even though that wasn't the character arc at all, <laughs> but I'm not complaining because Shira, I love you. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Catra fan, but anyway, so any characters like that, whose story arcs really speak to your struggles with chronic illness, I'm really interested in hearing those characters too, if there are any of those out there. 
I thought of one actually that I think of quite often and have forgotten, which is Dr. House from House. <laughs> um, yeah, his is, well, his is chronic pain that he deals with, but I always relate to the character. Um, so pain, it's, it's, it's the chronic nature, really, the day in, the day out relentlessness, the erosion over time, you know, and specifically there's this episode where his, um, so he's just like a super grumpy character. <laughs> not grumpy in like an adorable way like he's really he's a bit he's just not very nice to the people around him and he's incredibly selfish and operates in a ludicrous manner he's also a medical genius so everyone kind of allows him to be just an awful awful person but it's also quite likable because it's Hugh Laurie and there's this episode a few series in where his leg is fixed so he's got an injured leg and it, it gives him um chronic pain and he's he's oh a, a big part of his character is that he's super dosed up on meds so um yeah and then he there's this one episode where his leg gets fixed and it's wild he becomes a happy person he likes skateboards because he can he has lunch outside he's like come on guys let's have lunch outside and stuff he's super euphoric you're like who is this guy and actually it's like no I, I really really relate to that because suddenly without his pain I don't you see him as a person who you're like, oh that's why he's such an the whole time is that he's and you really realize the weight of the pain that has entirely changed him because as soon as it's gone he's happy-go-lucky he's like hey yay having a great time um and it's like yeah this is how easy and enjoyable life would be without the constant fatigue you know in his case the constant chronic pain and I mean it's a potentially a problematic in that I think in the episode or potentially in the in the series maybe they end up they land at he needs his pain in order to be smart or something it's yeah maybe it's a bit problematic I can't remember but but the but that episode I really really related to um sometimes I'm around my friends who are I'm feeling a bit tired and they're sort of they're laughing and joking around and being easy and fun and having a blast and I'm like oh man that is easy to do I could be doing that if I wasn't so tired (laughs) and just like spending my whole energy on surviving you know be just and when you have those moments where you feel really you feel really free anyway so yeah anything like that I'm interested in in hearing about there's also kind of so what I had was an MDA and there's a really specific representation because there's a woman who had an MDA um and wrote a book about it which then became a film and it was on Netflix I don't know if it's still available but it's called Brain on Fire and uh, and that's really the about the traumatic experience of an MDA. It's like really exact. It's exactly what I'm looking for, really. But I actually think that fatigue isn't something that she comes away with, which is what I'm really interested in, in is the chronic stuff, not the trauma stuff. And also, I'm too scared to watch it because I'm going to be triggered. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure one episode I'll watch it and and let you guys know how much therapy I need afterwards. So that's it from me this week. Come and have a chat with me on Insta or Twitter because, yeah, I tweet now. No big deal. Uh, but I'm on both as at Being Tired Pod. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you all. <laughs>